Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Today, I wanted to take a look at the book of Revelations in reference to the Antichrist and the New World Order. And I want to do that to kind of tie that into the previous episode to show how it is that um, prophecy must be fulfilled, okay, in order for the uh, new heaven and a new earth to come okay because if we are believing on god's word that we know is true we know that there are certain things that started out in genesis and before the garden that has to literally and have always been playing out throughout these centuries whether we know it or not okay what most people do and we know that there's going to be a day okay the lord will have his day ain't no way saying running around here over these centuries doing all these things and he's running out of time okay he has to produce his kingdom, he has to produce an antichrist, but at the end of the day, that's, that, that kingdom will not stand, it cannot stand, but it must come. It must come because it's prophesied to come. If it don't come, then the Messiah cannot come. If the Messiah don't come, then he will and cannot crush not only this system, but the next age that's coming, the new world order, because we're already in it, whether we know it or not. This is the beginning stages of it. And if he doesn't crush that, then we cannot have peace on earth, okay? And the other thing I want to talk about and I'm going to read about it is um, how Revelation is very clear that heaven is not available yet, okay? Because that's the common teaching that's number one in, I guess, everywhere. I, whether even atheists at some point going to say, I guess, in their emotion or grief, like, you know, they're in a better place or they, you know, might, might say they're with the angels or they just say the person passed away anymore, they don't exist. But even Einstein... Who was, a, who was a mathematician, but a genius, says that energy never dies. So it doesn't matter if you're no longer in your vessel, you're still a spirit. And the spirit is, is, if you want to call it energy, it doesn't die. So it has to go somewhere. But there's um, a holding place. There's a holding place where everybody goes to. And I'm always talking about Second Ezra's, the lost 70 verses of Second Ezra's, because in the reprints, because we know who published these books now, we know who owns the publishing company, we know who controls things. They remove the seven D missing verses of Ezra, which specifically talks about what happens to you when your soul separates from the body. Something that I feel that if it ended, it was in the Apocrypha, which was also taken out. But I feel like that is something that gives a lot of people answers as to one, what's going on to with their loved ones, where they are, where they could potentially be, and two, what, how to maybe live your life to understand what happens. And it was very clear, just like it's clear uh, in Scripture too. The Messiah uses an example, but uh, that there's two holding places in a realm that's in the earth. Before the two holding places were separate, it was just a Sheol. And we know that when the Messiah conquered death on the cross, he went down. We talked about this in the previous episode. He, he preached three days. And from that moment on, when the sky darkened and an earth quaked, the graves brought up the dead. And they were resurrected and walked and lived again, okay, because of the promise of the Messiah. That was a sign of the resurrection. But I'm saying all that to basically say, even in that sense, there was a Sheol. Now, people will say, well, yeah, but then after the Messiah passed, the bridgeway was open and everybody, but then that would make God a liar as well. Because that's like saying everybody's going into heaven and these people who suffered, uh, my chosen or the, the righteous who suffered by the hands of this or that or, or had somebody probably murder their child or this or this. You mean to tell me, especially if that person didn't make proper peace with God, you need to tell me God's just going to let it. That's not the kind of heaven that I want to be in and that's not the kind of heaven that God is trying to create for his uh, righteous, okay, so to speak. So, Revelation is very clear that there's a first death. Everybody's going to die the first death. But the second death, everybody will not see. That second death is the, the, the death of the, the soul and the body. Okay? Because when you're resurrected, and when he comes to resurrect us, we are going to be in the body. There's a verse in Revelation that's very clear and says that the graves are going to give up the dead. And the sea is even going to bring up the dead which is in them. So that means people that died on the Titanic, even if the fish, it doesn't matter. Everybody got to come up in the body. Because then you get separated on the right hand, those that knew him, okay? And you get separated to the left, those that did not know him. The ones on the right going to get new bodies. They're going to get transformed in a twinkling of an eye, a brand new body. And that body don't die. That body don't get sick. That body don't fade. And they get new names because the names that we have now is not going to be our names. He's going to give us a new name, okay? And then probably assignments and titles in the kingdom because I'm going to rule with him. 
And others are going to have other, other things to go. But then the people on the left, they're the ones that suffer the second death. Okay? So all of that, everybody going to heaven, that's, everybody's not. All that everybody that passed away is in heaven, no, they're not. Okay? The final day of judgment will be when you're standing at the throne for judgment. That's when you're going to decide if you're really going to heaven or if you're not. The second proof is this. Heaven's going to be right here on earth. Well, the last time that I checked, earth was still here and his kingdom was not here yet. It's not someplace in the sky. There is a heavens. There is a heavens where the angels dwell. That's not what I'm saying. But that heaven is going to be here on earth. And the holy city of New Jerusalem is going to come out of the sky like a bride adorned for their groom. So I just want to make sure that's clear too. But why I want to talk about Revelation really on today is to tie it into what we are talking about in the previous episode. When I read to you all from Bill Cooper's book, the uh, work entitled The Protocols of the Wise Men of Zion, written by Sir Guy Nihilus, where... This is one of many, because in the centuries and centuries and centuries, he ain't the only one that wrote about this. But they talked about in clear detail what we're doing, what we're working on, how far we've gotten in the centuries to pretty much work behind the scenes as a shadow government controlling puppets and pawns beneath us to control the cattle or the goyim, which is supposed to be us, to eventually put us in a state where we're going to have to be uh, destroyed down, religion stripped, money stripped, uh, the worker will be, uh, everything is going to be wiped out or put us in a position where we are going to be so desperate for a leader or somebody to come to just uh, alleviate us from all this. And the whole world will be suffering at this point. The Bible calls it like a time of tribulation, but this is going to be the perfect temperature for the Antichrist to step in and be like, hey, I am the one. Now, let me go just start with Revelation chapter 13 what we're going to talk about here the first beast this is revelation chapter 13 and this is the king james version and i stood upon the sand of the sea and i saw a beast arise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his head and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy and the beast which i saw was like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as a mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, which translates to three and a half years, which what I was saying is going to be a short reign. So it's not like, oh, the Antichrist comes on the scene, the people take the bait, which, you know, we don't want that to happen. But we're going to talk about who those people are going to be, too. Revelation is going to be very clear as to why a lot of these people are going to be so quick to take the bait. But they're going to take the bait. And, and then, of course, you got the people from the other age of the old world who's not going to be with this. They're going to remove them by any means necessary. They even said that in, in the protocol, but the revelation is very clear about that. Okay. And then um, you're going to have them just pretty much ruling this Antichrist for a short time. He's not going to just come and say, I'm the, I am the Antichrist. And then within before the end of the week, the Messiah comes. No, he has to rule for a time. They are going to feel, I guess you could say, some kind of comfort or happiness or whatever for a short time. It would be under, I guess you could say, a, pre, a United States president's uh, one-year term. It would be under four years. It says, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwelt, that dwelt in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. So I'm going to read that all over again. It says that he's going to reign for 3.5 years, speaking all kind of blasphemies against God. And even simply saying God doesn't exist as a blasphemy, but there's going to be all kind of blasphemies. It's not going to be of, of, of God. Nothing he's saying will be of God. 
all this new age teaching, preaching, this one world ruler stuff, this one world religion stuff, everything you're going to be issuing as new has nothing to do with God. So everything will be about blaspheming God. And it says, and it's going to be given power to him to make war against the saints, which means exactly what they be talking about supposedly on the quote unquote conspiracy theory side. If you were the, those type of people that believe that, but I know my listeners know better, which means when they say FEMA can't put you over here, put you over there, you're not meant to be here in this system. This new age is not for you. It's actually meant to, this is showtime. This is what they was building for. By the time they get there, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear God. Is it? They, they want to annihilate any type of moral thinking. Get it out of here. We are wiping out their brains, and we're going to download them. going to be the Matrix. They're going to download them with the new thought. They all want to make them share brain in the way that they want them to uh, think. And these people, by this time, will be the ones that are very easily controlled. And some of them was willing to do it anyway. Okay? And it says that he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now we're going to talk about the second beast. The first beast, like I said, is the Antichrist. We're talking about the second beast now. The second beast is the false prophet. It says, And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. I got to go back to the first one because I don't know if you all remember me talking to you all about this before in a previous Antichrist episode. I kept saying in Revelation, or I might have just said it once. I'm not going to say kept saying, but in Revelation that there was a part in the scripture that kept saying a clue to this Antichrist would be that he was someone who suffered a wound. Because when you see how it says... And I stood up out of the sand, uh, chapter 13 in Revelation, verse 1. This is John um, on the island of Patmos who was exiled, okay, who had a vision. This is him talking. He stood. He's, in, he's probably having an out-of-body experience. He said, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out of the sea having seven heads. This is symbolism of what empire it's going to be. Clearly, the Antichrist is going to look like a human being, but they're still talking about the Antichrist. But he's seeing everything in symbolic. But then after the description of the... Uh, the symbolic description of the Antichrist in verse three, he says, and one of the heads as it were wounded. I saw one of his heads as if it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world uh, marveled after the beast. But then now you have here again, later on uh, chapter 13, same chapter, verse 12. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them Therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, I want to read you something. This is supposed to symbolize somebody or antichrist spirit reborn, reborn or one that has come back. Whether it's the spirit that's just revisiting, whether it's, it's a cloning, whether it's Nimrod's return. This is what people literally describe as Nimrod's return. Because what you have here or what you're going to have here with this one world government, with this one rule, with one leader and the people all sharing a brain is what you had before with Nimrod in the Tower of Babel. Nimrod is Babylon. Okay, and then in Revelation, that if that wasn't any clearer, like you know that uh, the Nimrod spirit is coming back, or Nimrod had the Antichrist spirit of him who who keeps coming back, probably from the fallen angel seeing himself, but it just keeps coming back. If that wasn't enough, you have Revelation literally talking about Babylon, 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 the whore of Babylon, Babylon the Great, Mystery Babylon, the one that that uh, is drunk off of the blood of the saints. Babylon been moving through and through. Babylon end up in Egypt. Babylon keep moving. End up in Assyria. End up in Druidism. Ended up in being what you call Kabbalah. It just keeps moving around to this day. Egypt was Babylon. It was a, it was a form of Babylon. So, Nimrod spirit returning. Now, my study Bible, I wanted to bring this up. It says here, the image of the beast will apparently be set up in Jerusalem. Now, that's not where I wanted to. I wanted to actually come to 12. It says, the, um, he is a deceiver. His two arms, talking about the Antichrist, his two horns, like a lamb, represent the attempt to give an impression of a gentle, harmless person. His dragon speech, blah, 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 blah. It says he is given full exercise of power by the first beast who is a political ruler. The first beast. He is given full exercise of power or he 
is given full exercise of power of the first beast, who is a political ruler. His priestly role identifies him as a religious power or leader, and he promotes global worship of the Antichrist. And this will most likely be the Pope. That's most likely be the Pope. But going back to the wound that was that was there and was not there, it it really does symbolize that, that there's a spirit coming back or this person lived before and it's coming back again. Now, what else did I want to say? Oh, yeah, he's going to do great signs and wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And it says, and deceiveth them that dwell on earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Okay. And then it says, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image to be killed. It's very similar to Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar when he erected the statue of himself and he wanted everybody to bow down and worship as if Daniel would not. Okay, but it was supposed to be a punishment for it. So the beast is going to have you uh, worship. You have to worship and bow down. Okay, it says and. It says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man should buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred and three score and six or six six six. Now, it says here, uh, as a study, a note in my study Bible, that only believers will receive the mark. Only unbelievers. Ooh, child. I'd like to have that stricken from the record. Only unbelievers will receive the mark of the beast. The mark will be placed either on the right hand or on the forehand, both very visible places. No one will be able to buy or sell anything without having thus submitted to the political and religious system of the beast. The word mark is often used to describe an image, stamp, brand, or other. Uh, image or representation of the beast okay so it says the number of the beast is 666 666 the number of man it says man or mankind so i guess i just i don't i never understand you know i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out that 666 i don't know if they're just trying to say that it's, it's not a beast it's a person i don't know if that's what they're trying to say or okay the number of man all right anyway it says this this number may be the number of imperfection or humanity, 666, the evil trinity, rather than 777, which is the holy trinity. Also, 888 is the numerical value of um, Iosus, which, you know, that was the Greek spelling of Jesus. Okay, so it says a number representing the Antichrist name, which would be all right. So that I just want to. Where else did I want to go talk to you about 17? Revelation 17. Let's go 17 to 1. The doom of Babylon predicted. See, we are all the way at the end of the. We are all the way at the end of the earth. Okay, this is leading up to the Lord's day. We're getting to the Lord's day, final judgment, Armageddon, and we still talking about Babylon. We still talking about the way the world want to talk to you about Babylon. See, Babylon's a spirit. The way the world want to talk to you about Babylon, Babylon said was an empire that stood centuries ago. What is you talking about? You know, Babylon is here. Babylon is where? <laughs> it was over. The same way they'll tell you the Egyptian dynasty. I mean, technically, no. Their Egypt is there. The dynasties are not. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely right about that. But when you're talking about what does it symbolize, okay, uh, mysticism, occult, um, fallen angel bloodlines, leading up to what they need to produce at the end of the day, which is an antichrist in order to fulfill prophecy, they really think they're going to win. That's that's really, their side says they win. That That's really how it goes. They don't even have nothing that says, and then... God's going to come after us and it's going to be his reign forever after that. So let's just enjoy our 3.5 years or whatever. Nope, nope, nope. They, they're not even saying that. So the doom of Babylon. I know there was something in particular. I'll just start. Okay, so we're talking about Babylon. And the doom of Babylon predicted, and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, come hither. 
I will show unto thee uh, judgment of the uh, the judgment of the great whore who sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornications. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Upon her forehead was a name written, Caps, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Why does you marvel? I will show you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which had the seventh heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was, and again, 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 the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. <clears throat> Basically, it's the fallen angel coming back to finally do the showdown. Why, everybody? Just in case y'all forgot, what is all this about? That's all about Genesis 3.15. Okay, how many times I repeat myself? Some people be coming in new for the first time. Gotta help them. It says here, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, because it says, God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Prophecy. Now, if you don't, let's see. It was called the curse. Everybody got cursed. All Adam got cursed to do is till the ground. <laughs> the curse. This is, um. Was it verse 3 and 15? It says, This verse has long been recognized as the first messianic prophecy of the Bible. Thus, it also concerns the first glimpse of the gospel. It reveals three essential truths. That Satan is the enemy of the human race, explaining why God put enmity between the Satan and the woman. That he would place, two, that he would place a spiritual barrier between thy seed, Satan's people, Satan's children, and her seed, God's people, God's children. And that the representative of the seed of the woman human being Christ would deliver the death blow to Satan at the end. By doing so, he will bruise, uh, he would be bruised himself, meaning the devil. So when it says, when it says it'll bruise your head, it said Christ's bruising was on the cross, which led eventually to the final crushing of the of the serpent said um he's gonna bite the heel i'm sorry biting the heels when he when he had him on the cross but when he stomps on the devil hey is when gonna be as at the judgment okay but at the end of the day because of the prophecy of the bloodline the satan's bloodline um and god's bloodline this is what this is all gonna be about now i wanted to go back i think i was in revelation 17 Yes, I was. Okay. So, um, the last thing I said was the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Do you see how four times... It's four different, four different verses now since I've been talking to you all where they stress this person was not and was and is and was again and was not and going to be and was not and is yet again. You understand what I'm saying? This is where the cloning aspect comes into it or some kind of, uh, I wouldn't say a reincarnation, but this, this spirit that was probably in Hitler was in Nimrod. It was in a lot of people. Something's coming back. Eventually they go into the fall of Babylon, but 
Uh, e, there's one minds. And here is the minds which has wisdom. All right, move on. Listen, the beast that was, <laughs> this is going to be the fifth verse. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. And is the and is of the seven that goeth into perdition. What they're talking about here about the eighth and the seventh is they're talking about the, the kingdoms of the world. So there's so far, well, right now I would say we, we already had the Egyptian dynasty, we had Assyria, we have Babylonia, Medio Persia, Greece, we had Rome. Um, it, Rome was at the time of John. You see where John is, is, is at the Isle of Patmos, Roman Empire, like ruling a lot of things. And then there's going to be a new revived Rome. The new revived Rome was going to be during the Great Tribulation. That's going to be the new revived Roman Empire. That They also said that could be what looks like the one that was dead, that was bruised, but come back. But no, that's not really the empire. And in the eighth and final, which is why it says right here, in the beast that was, meaning the Antichrist, and is not, and he is the eighth, and is of the seven, of the seven, meaning before he comes into the eighth, the seventh one is leading up to him, um, and go into perdition, perdition is basically into his purpose, and then eventually cast into the lake of fire with all the ones that came with him, but don't you find it rather interesting that it says here that, um, those whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they beheld the beast that was and is not and, and yet is, meaning whose names were not written in the book of life. That was very clear to someone else too here um, in Revelation chapter 17. I know I read something like, or was it was in 13 probably, I believe. It said the same thing, that uh, these people who will receive the mark of the beast and will bow down and worship will, will be the people whose name was not written in the book of life on the foundation of the world. Now, what does that mean? Or is there some kind of favoritism going on? No, but the same way God has a plan and he sees all things and knows all things is the same way he sees you and me sitting here today right now in this very moment. We all have free will, but God knows us better than anything. How could God have planned all the way to the end for our uh I guess you could say redemption without having to see what was coming to even be able to plan along the way the whole way from the time we felt he had a plan to get us back. And it's so perfect, you know, so there's there certainly is a plan. But I wanted to say that the people who are going to be uh, written in, the, not written in the book of life that's going to take this. Nine out of ten, I'm thinking that this is generation by the time the Antichrist come. It's very much possible that the that the world had look at the world today. It's not really going in a very godly direction. It could be very much that by the time this generation just comes to pass that they're just wicked, wicked through and through. Because everything they're supposed to be doing, even on the other side, we read it we read about it in the previous episode, is to be breaking down the structures of things to make things so that it, it might even get purged like, you know. That's why they're gonna be so much uh distress and and and, and, and um really just civil and human rights just beaten down so much so that they're going to be so desperate for some kind of a leader even if it's a world leader they're going to want world peace they're going to want calm and they're going to get it for 3.5 years supposedly they're kind of calm but then there's going to be another wrath coming with a whip and a gnashing of teeth and that's going to be when the messiah comes back okay so they're going to be very much this generation i just feel is going to be wicked through and through every generation no matter how much wicked you have in it is still going to have a godly people there's still going to be people that's going to be like, no, 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 this is not of God. I don't want anything to do with it. Same thing in the days of Noah. As you can see, it was eight that was saved, all right? We know, well, we're not going to talk about uh, Cain's daughters that get on a boat. We just know there was eight, but we know there was more people in the world than eight people, right? But there still was even eight, right? I think the only time that they were somewhere, and it wasn't even the whole world, there was just one town was, was when it was Sodom and Gomorrah, where Abraham was like, you only going gonna to kill them if you find... 30 or 50? Remember, the number wasn't even high. He was like, well, let's let's try, you know, I think it was like 10 or something. They went high. They were, Abraham got that number as high as he could to try to save the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, saying they could even find just so and so many righteous people they wouldn't destroy. They couldn't even find it. Okay, so in all the world, there's going to be, I'm sure, more ungodly people than there are righteous, but there's still going to be some righteous because God's word don't die. They're going to be getting them people the heck out of there. So I, I do understand that it would make sense to me that they would, uh, 
Maybe by that time they killed off a lot of the golly or took them off into the FEMA camps anyway. What I'm saying is I, it's not no trick or it's not no favoritism that it would be around that time. That actually, maybe, I wouldn't say maybe it's just, but God is a just God. Why would you, maybe these people already said the heck with God a long time ago. I'm an atheist and, you know, F your church and your religion, even though we know religion is a sham, you know, but these people probably already been hardened in the heart. Probably they have generations of hardened hearts. Maybe it's just their time to just be like, you know what, go be with the one you've been wanting to be with so long. Because as we all know, you can't serve two masters. Because what the Bible said, what Messiah said, you're either going to, because you're either going to love the one and hate the other. You can't love them both. No way in heck. Where do I want to go to now? Oh, hey. Let's go to Revelation the 21. What we're doing now, like I said, just tying stuff into the previous stuff, just to show that on our on our side or whatever, Revelation says all these have to come to pass. That's why I'm excited. When you see these things coming, even a sign of my coming, don't be afraid. Because all these things must come to pass. If we don't come to pass, how are we going to get there? It means that we, we, we have to uh, go through the process. So I'm going to talk to you about the new heaven and new earth, what I said I was going to talk to you about before. Uh, and it says here, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem. So first of all, the new heaven and uh, he saw a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Okay, no sea. On a new earth, there's not going to be any more sea. The, the lack of sea. Is because we're gonna be more land space. You're gonna need more land space because you're gonna need you're gonna need it for the people, okay? And the and the sea is very vast as far as going across. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, "Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men." And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God has always wanted to dwell with us since the time he called the children of Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus, and he even dwelt among them um, in the in um at that time in the wilderness. But then after a while he left. You know, the Shekinah glory went up and stuff, but and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes, and there shall be normal death, no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with the fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Okay, now... <clears throat> Jerusalem is described. This is the holy city. Because that city ain't the one. It ain't even of God. It was built up by Rothschilds and Satanists. So they could have control over Jerusalem for the purposes of blinding everybody. And also, so by the time them and the Pope, which is the second beast, could have authority to put the one they want to put over there. Because he's going to have to rule from there. He's not going to produce himself from Queens. They're going to have to make him, because he has to fulfill prophecy. They're going to try to make him come from over there. And there came unto me one with the seven seals, which had the seven vows full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit. Again, it's an out-of-body experience to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like to jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels and the names there written thereupon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, 
and on the west three gates that's where the names of the, the angels are and the names of the 12 tribes and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb it goes on to how beautiful the city is and i'm gonna i wanted to find something else too how beautiful it is other than that um what i'm going to do here is take a break and i'm going to come back see you after the break okay we're back from break and right now i'm in revelation chapter 20 verse 11 and it says and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, they're talking about the Messiah, of course. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's a couple things I want to say about this here. The first thing being this. It says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open. It didn't say the book, meaning the one Bible. This is, this is a book that comprises of many books. This part of the world has 66. The Ethiopians have 80-something. They've already been messing with the books. You ain't supposed to say, say anything. Take nothing out of the book. You ain't supposed to add anything to it. it seemed to me like every book they done took out hides the truth, right? So when they talk about the books, they ain't just talking about your favorite book of the Bible, all the books. Because every book has something. So they're going to pull out the books. All the books were open. And another book was open. So there's all these books. Like 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 it like it's a trial. And you're getting tried according to your works and according to what was written because that was your guides or something like that. And then on top of that, at the same time, you have another book that's gonna be open. And this book is just one book. And this book is called The Book of Life. And it, uh, believe it or not, the book of life, the people's names was in it, was written since the foundations of the world. And again, not Russian roulette, not uh, some kind of favoritism, but because of just God being able to foresee. Okay, so now the books are open and they were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Read your books and according to their works. As we know, the Messiah steps in for those who are righteous. When nobody is 100%, we all fall short of the glory of God as written. So, you know, that's where he comes in. If you're 65%, you know, and you need that 35, Messiah will stand in for you at, at, at your trial. As your defense attorney and be like, it's okay, I vouch for them, it's okay, all right, fine, okay? You get your little white robe, you stand up there, you say, whoo, that was close, that was close. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you go sit down, let somebody else deal with it next. And then uh, it says, whoever was not found written in a book of life was cast into it. So I read that because I wanted to just uh, show you how they're going to be taking the, the books. I consider hell, I consider hell and death. Uh, that place that's not Sheol, but that place that I told you that was mentioned in Second Ezra, because it says that the first thing everybody's gonna see in the past is is, is a shining light, like a Shekinah glory, that you're gonna understand that uh, you are in the presence, not His face yet, but in His spiritual presence, that God is real. So whether you believe it or not, there's going to be a fright on your on your body, as in, oh my God, I oh no. And if you believe. There's something about it that's going to be shocking, but there's going to be a comfort there because, oh my gosh, like it says in Hebrews, the, 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 when they were talking about the people of the faith, they all did everything they were supposed to do dying without before they even saw the Messiah coming, but they believed in their heart that it was going to come. And all those people is, all those people is there. You see that place that I'm talking about, um, 
of what I'm about to tell you about is the place power called the place to the right. So those people that feel the goodness of God, they'll know, oh my gosh, I, I, I made it. God is real. There's no more pain and suffering. I've seen the end. You know, it's, it's, it's a glory in that. And you go in and there's a guarded place. The angel guards each place. And you go in there with everybody who's waiting. When I say everybody, I'm talking to you, Adam. I'm talking to you, Moses. I'm, you better, you might as well go running through and slapping a vibe like, we made it, we made it, we made it. I'm going to be doing that, God willing, I get there. Hallelujah. I'm be I'm, as long as the Lord let me rejoice before I go into my uh, before I go into my ignorance is bliss mode until it's time for the judgment because you're supposed to experience it but then you get into a calm. There's no time there. So from the time you get there to the time you get to the judgment, it's like a blink of an eye. You're not on earthly time anymore. Now on the other end, the person who's supposed to be going to the other side, everybody is basically going into temporary holding places that model where you're going because God already knows, but the judgment ain't passed yet. To say that everybody is going to heaven. Every day, when everybody dies, every single day, every day is to say that God has a judgment every day, and every day there's an Armageddon, and every day there's a judgment, and every day this goes down several times a day, or at least between 12 and 5, God judges. That's not how it works. There's one day it's going to happen. So in the meantime, there's holding places in the earth. Then you have the people on the other side who's going to be fearful because they're going to realize, I didn't believe, or I did believe, I didn't take it seriously. Clearly, my time is up. I'm scared. They're going to go into a holding place where people are already being tormented and and burning or just suffering. It's not just burning. It's supposed to be like if you, whatever your most traumatic experiences was might get replayed a thousand times. You know, you, you could get uh, sexually assaulted by demons. It's not the best place. You know, like it's worse than anything here could have been. If you die from disease, you're probably going to have that disease still riddled in you. It's not the best place to be. And you can't do nothing about it. And there's an angel guarding you there. And it says for a temporary period, when you go in, this doesn't happen every day because they're shielding the good side from the negative. They will show the people on the light side who made it and who's holding, who's in their righteous temporary holding places waiting for heaven. They will show them a glimpse of what it was that they escaped. What it was that they escaped that real thing that they always was like, I don't want to go there. I believe on God. I fear God and I don't want to be good they get to see that to understand it was real and you escape that and, and you get rest now. That's when they, that's why we got those saints that be talking about how much longer, Lord, by the throne. And he'd be like, just give them right rooms and tell them rest just a little while longer. Don't worry. Got you. Go back to sleep. Relax. Relax. And then you got these people on the left who's going to be crying out in agony, burning. It's too late. It's just too late. And what happens there is they get to see a glimpse of the other side of what it was that they missed out on. And that, I'm sure, hurts more than anything. And then they can't see that no more. I think they could both see each other. I have to go back. You know, I can't remember. But I know that they, for a second, can see. Because you have, this, it's the truth that's coming out at that point. And then you go to your holding place. But the books is going to be open. The sea given of the dead which were in it. That's what it said. And death and hell delivered the dead that were, were in them. And they judged them every man. Uh... I think that's all I wanted to say, except for, oh, oh, going back to this, because I'm going to wrap up. I just want to brush up on some of the stuff that I read before, just to close this out. They know what they're doing, and they ain't got no shame. It says here, this is in um, Protocol of the Wise Men of Zion. This is in the 10th Protocol. Remember, there's 24 Protocols. It says the recognition of our despot, despot is the Antichrist, may also come before the destruction of the Constitution. The moment for his, the moment for this recognition will come when the peoples, utterly wearied by the irregularities and incompetence, a matter which they, sh a matter which we shall arrange for, of their rulers, will clamor, and they will give way to say. Away with them and give us one king over all the earth who will unite us and annihilate the cause of discords, frontiers, nationalities, religions, state debt, who will give us peace and quiet, which we will, which we cannot find under our rulers and representatives of the day. They're going to put them in a position. They're going to turn the temperature up so high, break everything down so bad that it says here. The people will be utterly wearied by the irregularities and incompetence of matter which we shall arrange for 
okay? They're going to be tired of the irregularities and competencies of their rulers, a matter they're going to arrange for, and will shout at the top of their lungs, away with them. Away with these leaders. Give us one king over all the earth who will unite us and annihilate the cause of discourse, frontiers, nationality. Basically, we want peace on earth. And then usher in this person. I'm going to read a little bit more because you know in the previous episode I read a lot of this. So I don't want to keep, uh, I don't want to repeat too much. It says, when we now come into our kingdom, it will be undesirable for us that there should exist any other religion than that of ours. Okay, so it says, there should not, there should exist any, there should, when we come into our kingdom, it will be undesirable for us that there should exist any other religion than ours. Of the one God with whom our destiny is bound up by our position as a chosen people. It goes down here. It says, then at every possible opportunity, basically after they set the stage for the people to want um, a king, they're going to slide in with more media brainwashing. They say here, then at every possible opportunity, we shall publish articles in which we shall make comparisons between our beneficent rule and those of past ages. The blessings of tranquility, though it be tranquility forcibly brought about by centuries of agitation or centuries of basic people who are working behind the scene, will throw into higher relief the benefits of that we will point to. The errors of the Goyim governments will be depicted by us in the most vivid hues. We shall implant such an abhorrence of them that the people will prefer tranquility in a in a state of serfdom to those rights of wanted freedom which have tortured humanity and exhausted the very sources of human existence sources which have been exploited by a mob of rascally adventurers who know not what they do over here it says when we at last come into our kingdom by the aid of coup d'etat prepared every day everywhere for one and the same day did you hear that? When they come or definitely come to their kingdom by the aid of coup d'etat prepared everywhere for one and the same day, meaning like on one. You see how the Lord's going to strike on one day and we don't know the hour? It's the same way they're going to have people strike at one day and hour and we don't know. And they're going to just take over by means of coup d'etat. He said, after the worthlessness of all Existing forms of government have been definitely acknowledged. We shall make it our task to see that against us, no such thing as plots shall no longer exist. Basically, they're going to protect themselves. No matter what they break down, they're going to always make sure they still stay together, united in solidarity, sharing a brain. With this purpose, we shall slay without mercy all who take arms in hand to oppose our coming into the kingdom. Every kind of new institution of anything, like a secret society, will also be punished with death. Those of them which are now in existence are known to us, serve us, and have served us. We shall disband and send into exile two continents far removed from Europe. Um, we're going to take care of the ones we know about, but no new ones better pop up or we're going to kill them. Secret societies are talking about only the ones that um, we are having, which is the only one left on top. In this way, we shall proceed with those Goy Masons who knew too much, such as these, as we may for some reason spare, will be kept in a safe or constant fear of exile. Meaning like if they don't, if the other ones, if we don't kill them, we're going to put the fear of God in them that they know they're going to go in exile if they even try what the others tried. Meanwhile, however, until we come to our kingdom, we shall act in a contrary way. We shall create and multiply free Masonic lodges. They're about to all back to the play with our kingdom. Mm, they just want their kingdom so badly. Oh, I want ours too. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come, Lord. You're supposed to say that every day. Thy kingdom come. <clears throat> Look where they say here. Our government will have the appearance of a patriarchal paternal guardianship on the part of our ruler. Our own nation and our subjects will discern in his persons a father caring for their every need, their every act, their every interrelation as subjects uh, with one another, as well as their relations to the ruler. They will then be so thoroughly imbued 
with the thought that it is impossible for them to dispense with this wardship and guidance. If they wish to live in peace and quiet, yet they will acknowledge the autocracy of our ruler with a devotion bordering on apotheosis, especially when they are convinced that those whom we set up do not put their own uh, agendas in place of his authority, but blindly execute his dictates. Meaning so they trust even the people, um, not only do they trust the main leader, but little minor managers under him because they are not shady. They actually do share brain with him and they love the leader so much. They will rejoice that we have regulated everything in their lives as is done by wise parents who designed to train their children in the cause of duty and submission. For the peoples of the world in regard to, to secrets of our policy are ever through the ages only children under age precisely as are also their governments. When the king of Israel sets upon his sacred head the crown offered by offered him by Europe, he will become patriarch of this world. And they're not talking about the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, our Messiah. The indispensable victims offered by him in consequence of their suitability will never reach the number of victims offered in the same course of centuries by mania of magnificence and emulsion between the Goy governments. Our king will be in constant communion with the people, making them from the tribune speeches, which fame will in that same hour distribute all over the world. Anyway, he's going to just sway the people. Who talks like this if you're not serious? And, and then also admit that for centuries. Give me a break already. Why I'm saying this is because as soon as you get caught, as soon as they get caught, we don't know if that was even really a real author. And that was a fictional work there, right? It was fictional. It was fictional that you reprinted it 100 years later. Then when you reprinted it, you always changed something. Stop it. <laughs> Give me a break already. At this point, you see what's happening today, right? They let us all carry on. Carry on as far as the YouTube channels, all this, because they don't, they don't mix in so much truth with lies over here. They got too much distraction. They can actually afford to, not like in the 90s, to have people just talk like that because they know nobody, people are listening and looking, but for the most part, they, they're just, it's going to work. They're, got, they're, they're, they're making it. They're doing it every day, leading us into the new world order, no matter what we do. But that's not going to stop me. That's not going to stop us from um, staying on the path. Hmm. A very intricate plan. And this one, like I said, the centuries of this, I'm sure there's been many people who have written on the subject. It says, it says the part played by liberals, you, 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 utopian dreamers. Mm. I, I saying that because I saw the word utopian dreamers. It made me think about when I was in philosophy in college, the idea of utopia. Utopia is supposed to be the, the, the perfect. At the time, it was a drink. <laughs> it was one of my favorite drinks. Didn't mean nothing else to me but that. But utopia is supposed to be defined as like what you feel is the perfect government. Or, or if you had to design your favorite government, what would you be? So it's like an imagined place or state of things in which everything is perfect. So what is your idea of the perfect utopia of the world? And you have to understand if everybody put their utopia together, it would be different. Their utopia would be to control the Goyim and have one, one leader, you see, on the top, which, which they know this leader is not going to be a, a mere mortal person. And they understand that. Those things that are understood need not be explained. That's why they don't explain those things. What they're explaining more is the agenda to get us there. And by the time they get him in the seat, that everything he does is uh, executed flawlessly so the people do what it is that they would it is that they want to do is to hand themselves over. Once you have the mark of the beast, it's over. There's there's no there's nothing else to say. It's over. There's there there's no do over. There's no take backs. It is over. And that is the problem that a lot of people don't seem to understand. It's not oh I didn't realize or I, I was just having a moment. It's over. And that is one of the biggest um I guess you could say forms of deceit. But he doesn't care. Satan's running out of time, and he's taking people with him. He's not only upset with And when people are upset with you, we you know what they try to do. You got beef with God, but you know how it is. I'm going to mess with your people. You know, if I, if I can't get to you, I'm going to mess with your people. And that's exactly what he's doing. And I, I always say, you know, they always say misery love company. If I could just, 
if one person could represent misery love company, it's the devil. Because as soon as he fell, he caused Adam and Eve to fall. And he just, he, he, everything he's doing is because he don't want to be down here alone. He fell and he took a third with him. So he couldn't even leave by himself. Why don't you, why can't you just come down here? You know? By yourself. A third came. Whether they walk voluntarily, whether he said something that was just uh, smooth enough that they believed him and it was like a trickery, they left. I don't think there's anything else, especially from Revelation. I'm just saying. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I want to talk about uh, once I found the scriptures. The scripture here that I want to talk to you all about where it says. you know what? I'm going to take a break and I'll come back when I find it. See you after the break. Okay, I'm back and I found the scripture. This is um, Revelation 17, verse 14. But before that, this is the chapter where they're talking about the whore of Babylon, Mystery Babylon the Great. And it says here that these have one mind. When they're talking about the these, they're talking about the people, the kings of the earth having one mind. The United Nations, the Pope, are really the Antichrist, uh, the false prophet, the Pope. And those who I'm talking about, like the leaders of Zion who are working behind the scenes for centuries, they do have one mind. And they cause us to have divided minds. It's not an accident, so we don't come together to have a mind. So they have one mind, it says here, and they shall give their power and strength. Um, to the beast. Now it says here, these shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him are called the chosen and the faithful. Now here, what they're talking about is the Antichrist going against the Messiah, and they're talking about the uh, false prophet going against the Messiah. Obviously, in everything they do, they're going against him. But there is another scripture here where it talks about how the kings of the earth, when they see the Messiah, are actually going to try to fight him. And I said, that sounds a lot to me like something else. Like in Revelation 16 and 13, it says, and I saw three unclean, and I saw three, this is after a sixth uh, vial was opened. Or a sixth angel poured out a vial upon the great river Euphrates, okay? And it says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So remember, the dragon would be the devil himself. The beast is the Antichrist. He's a human being, a vessel for the dragon. The false prophet points to the beast to give power to the beast and the dragon so they could take over. So he saw... Um, frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and one out of the mouth of the beast and one out of the mouth of the prophet frogs i mean come out of their mouths for they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of the almighty because there's another verse here where it says the kings of the earth is going to battle the Messiah, and I said, this sounds to me like when they be trying to talk about outer space invasion, outer space invasion, outer space invasion, because all it's going to say is the Messiah is coming out of the sky. It says, and I saw heaven open up, behold, a white horse, and he that sounded upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and his head were many crowns. And he had a name written on it that no man knew but him. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name was called the word of God. Listen to this. And armies of heaven, which were in heaven, followed him upon the white horse clothed in linen. And out of his mouth goes forth a sharp, sharp word. That with it he shall smite nations and shall rule them with an iron rod. See, and then verse 19 here, 
of chapter 19, it says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. This is going to be a physical war. This is going to be kings. Armies of the beast and kings of the east and the earth will gather in Palestine at Armageddon and attempt to, re to prevent the return of the kingdom of Christ. But Christ will defeat them. But, you know, there's a lot of times where there have been movies where they're talking about the one, the one that has to save mankind from some impending doom from space. And now I'm trying to figure out if maybe all the time when they have the shape-shifting demons, they're coming out and they're manifesting themselves as sources and stuff. When they unite themselves with this one world government and one mind, is it going to say to them, oh, and aliens are real. And, it and then when the Messiah cracks the sky and comes down, they're going to have the nerve to tell all these people who's ungodly anyway. That's not going to have no idea what the hell they're looking at because none of these people are going to be of God. And these people's name is written in the name of the book that this is an alien invasion trying to come and take us out. Do you want these people to come and try to take away the peace that we've managed to establish for ourselves in the past 3.5 years? People. And they're going to be desperate to try to fight against God. Why does that seem like it? I don't see that. that I, 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 like I believe for a second, as soon as God cracked the sky, all these kings of the earth, most of them are people who leaders of the earth with satanic blood, especially the one leader at the time who is literally charged and has the devil's hand up his butt, controlling him to move around and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, this is the time he's going to say, all right, everybody, let's shut it down. No, this is the time where we're going to have that all-out war. It's going to be a final showdown. And the Messiah is going to win. So that's what I wanted to say. It says, and the beast was taken uh, and with him the false pro prophet uh, who wrought miracles before him, which deceived them and had received the mark of the beast. It says, so it says, the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worship his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of burning fire and brimstone. It says the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. You know, because um, God's word is sharper than two edged sword, so he don't got to do nothing but talk to them and they just going to fall out. And that's all that I wanted to say, except for the final message in Revelation, which should always be read by the Messiah who says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his works shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do this. Well, this is John now. Blessed are they that, that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. For without are dogs, sorcerers, and whoremongers, murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now the Messiah talks again. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. It just says, you know, even so, come, Lord, come, 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 and come. In the meantime, we're all still here. Now, that's all I wanted to say for today's episode because, um... Just to tie it in. So people just don't say, well, this, that, because people, a lot of people don't read Revelation. Uh, I'm not saying that my listeners haven't been familiar with Revelation in the past or to know that it does say these things in Revelation. But as far as if there's anybody on our side, you know why I say that? Because I was in a previous episode, I said you could be a person who believes on flat earth, but you still don't believe in God. And you could be a person who believes on God, but you don't believe this deeply into it. Like, you know, the devil, there's a devil and there's a hell and, you know, there, there, there there's the people act like devils and they work the devil uses people to work through you but you will never go so deep as to say yeah there is a, a design going on that even if you've seen it in genesis chapter six that it said that the fallen angels stuff with women people i know some people who believe in god and the bible to them is just allegorical metaphorical models on how to live their life and none of these people were real I, I, it's all I'm simply saying it is for it would be for somebody like that who probably believes on God, who probably understands everybody's going to heaven, who probably don't understand there's going to be a judgment. And if there is a judgment day, it's not a real thing or Armageddon to tie it all in to what we was talking about before. So you can see uh, there is going to be uh, Antichrist. It says it right here in Revelation. 
the Messiah got to come, but the Antichrist is going to rule. Those people that, that's in that new age is not going to be of God. They're not going to be written in the book of life, okay? They're not going to have access to the tree of life. Uh, godly people will not be invited to that new age, okay? And when the Messiah comes and cracks the sky, they still have the nerve to try to fight him off because they're going to be fighting for their kingdom so, so much. As far as I'm concerned, Satan likes to model God. I am the one true God and the Messiah. I want to rule these people. The sad thing about it is if it was up to the devil, he would just stay on earth and do this kingdom and try to block God out and have people doing his will. This would be his world, his realm, his people, his religion, everything his, okay? But that's not going to happen. The reason why all of them are going to get, um, why everybody is going to get sent with them to hell is because it's a one package deal. Misery loves company. All he's doing is setting up a kingdom where he, when, when he falls, he doesn't go alone. Okay, so that's it. That's all I got for y'all for today. I love you guys, and I'll see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side. But before I go, I want to let you all know that I got a new email address. It's uh, who's on the Lord's Side at gmail.com. For years, I had this other one, who, who's on Lord's Side at reborn.com. I lost access to that. I got so caught up in trying to get an email address with something so cute at the end, like reborn. Yes, because we're getting reborn. That uh, the platform that I created it on, I, I completely forgot. One, I think where I created it at, because I, I logged in so many times in the beginning, nobody had any questions. I, I eventually didn't log in for a while, and I just lost all the credentials. I didn't know how to log into it. So I said, people probably have questions. If you have questions, if you want to let me know how I'm doing on the episode, uh, if you want to add something, if there's a book that you think I should look into, you know, reach out. Don't hesitate. Who's on the Lord's side at gmail.com. Also, who's on the Lord's side on Instagram. It was formerly the prisoner of the Lord because it's who's on the Lord's side by the prisoner of the Lord. But I just said, you know what? Let's make it easy for everybody. Who's on the Lord's side. You can DM me there. Now you can ask a few people. They have DM me in the past and it had taken me some time to get back to them. Uh, but I'm better now as far as returning messages and back on a regular basis. So please feel free to reach out to me. Okay. On that note, again, guys, I love you. Stay safe, blessed, and I'll see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side.